Please follow along with me as I start reading in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord had made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Amen. Hey, let's clap it up again for Kelly and Annie and the whole team, uh, just as we welcome this family. Um, let me pray for that family really quick, too. Father, I just pray uh, that um, even by your grace through our team and our church, that this family would be welcomed well. Uh, we know they're uh, leaving a, a tumultuous setting. Uh, would you bring grace in their lives through us? Would we get to tangibly care for them and help them transition into life here? And would you bring the good news of the gospel uh, through us too, that if they don't know your son, they might come to know and rest and find life in him. And that if they do, they might see his uh, generosity and provision even more clearly as we care for them and uh, build relationship and learn from and enjoy uh, life with them. Uh, God, thank you for your grace in our lives that uh, each of us uh, who are in such need, uh, you have shown yourself to and poured your grace on uh, that we might become your sons and daughters and have our every need met in you. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I cannot wait for this sermon. Um, this has been an experiment again in our own life as we have... Uh, Again, taking a look at what is Sabbath and how do we rest, how do we stop. Uh, it's a, a critical need in my own life personally and I think in all of our lives, uh, so I cannot wait uh, to get into these texts together. Uh, we're taking a bit of a, a mini-series within the series of Luke. You know, we're, we're going through the book of Luke and looking at Jesus' life and saying, what does it look like to follow him uh, together for the good of the world? Uh, in his life uh, and ministry and his death and his resurrection in the book of Luke. But we're stopping, in a sense, for three weeks uh, to look at Sabbath. We hit Luke chapter 6, and that's one of the Sabbath controversies in the book of Luke. And so we talked about that last week, and now we're spending two weeks to say, okay, what does it look like for us to stop and for us to rest in Christ? Uh, to stop and cease our souls and find rest in Christ and to stop and cease and find rest and rejuvenation in our schedules. Uh, so uh, we'll get into that. And the first thing I want to begin by asking you this morning is, how are you? A picture uh, that we're walking by each other in the lobby, and, and I stop and I say, hey, how are you? Uh, answer, go ahead and answer in your minds uh, that question. Uh, Picture us in the lobby, and, and you would answer it as you would there. Hey, how are you? How are you doing? All right, go ahead and answer in your minds. 
how are you? Your, your answer probably went something like, uh, I'm good or I'm bad, right? You, you gave the answer first of how you're doing, right? Uh, I, man, I'm doing really well right now, and you gave some caveats to that, or man, I'm, I'm not doing really well right, right now, uh, and then you probably said, I, but uh, I, man, I'm good, just really busy. You said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, right? It's something, but I'm just really busy. A lot is going on right now. Uh, we wear it kind of as a, a, a badge of honor, right? I, I'm busy right now. I, I, I've got a lot going on in life. In this season of life, a lot is happening. My job is crazy. I'm getting after it. I, I, I don't have a job. I'm getting after getting one. Uh, man, I, I, I am going through this sickness, so I've got to really attack it. I, I'm really trying to get back into exercise. It's the new year. I have all these resolutions. I'm just getting after them. In this season, I'm just really busy in this season and next season and the next season and the next season. I got a lot of kids right now. I'm single. I'm working really hard to get a degree. I, all these things have got me busy right now in this season. But there's always more to do, isn't there? You don't get to the end of your week and say, got it all done. And this uh, is... Just probably true of all of us. I, I think we are overworked. We are overworking ourselves. We do not take a day off. When we do take a day off, uh, we find our phones, our work in our front pocket, and we keep doing work. We uh, add home uh, jobs and work. We, we do the laundry. We uh, do this home project. All the kind of things that we don't get paid to do, we end up doing. There's always more to do, and I want to see if you resonate with this quote. Between demands from work and family, our lives fall somewhere between full and overflowing. We multitask so much so that we are unaware we are doing three things at once. We admire people who are able to accomplish so much in so little time. They are our role models. At the same time, many of us are, and listen to these words, and, and go ahead and checkbox them if these are you. Many of us are overscheduled. Tense, addicted to hurry, frantic, preoccupied, fatigued, starved for time, anxious, angry, running this way or that. Does any of this resonate with you? Cramming as much as possible in our to-do list that we battle life to make the best use of every spare minute we have. We often run past or run over the people around us. Not much changes. Our overproductivity makes us counterproductive. Actually, it's interesting. When you hit about 55 hours of work uh, per week, you've hit the, 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 meek, uh, the, the, the peak, the, the top performance of your work week at 50 to 55 hours. But then, so it's almost as if you work uh, 90 hours, you're getting much out of your work week as you are if you work 50 to 55. Our overproductivity becomes counterproductive. We end our days exhausted from work and raising children. And then in our free time on weekends, we become filled with more demands in an already overburdened life. 
We listen to sermons and read books about slowing down and creating margin in our lives. We read about the need to rest and to recharge our batteries. Our workplaces offer seminars. Even our workplaces understand this. Offer seminars on increased productivity through replenishing ourselves with margin and rest. But we can't stop. But we can't stop. Uh, this is where I would typically insert a whole bunch of stats to prove this reality in your life and my life. Uh, this is where I might insert a story of uh, the pastor who took his own life, left his three kids behind, because in large part he overworked and found a joylessness and a greater anxiety and an anger and had to unplug and escape. Uh, this is where I might insert my own stories of, of, of circling and spiraling uh, to a disaster. But, but for me, that's not quite been my story. For me, my overwork, uh, maybe you resonate with this, led to just this kind of slow burn anxiety. A slow burn joylessness at home and in work. A, a slow burn anger. I, I'd, I'd read my Bible and yell at my kids. What does overwork look like for you? Are you wearing it as a badge of honor and realizing it's sucking the joy out of your life and replacing it with anxiety and anger and a franticness of running this way or that, feeling like nothing is fully done, ever completed, and you've just got to do more to get this or that or achieve this or that in order to get the rest and the peace that you're looking for? Uh, the, the Japanese, I, I won't try and pronounce the word, have a, a word for it, uh, uh, death by work. <laughs> a pinpoint word that says, man, we are killing ourselves with our work. But we can't stop unless, as we talked about last week, we find in Christ our soul Sabbath, and therefore are able to build into our lives a Sabbath, a stop, a resting in our schedules. Uh, we looked at Luke chapter 6 and how the, the Pharisees, you know, they had, uh, they had rejected Jesus. And because of their rejection of Jesus, they had elevated Sabbath. They, they had uh, added all these rules to this idea of do not work and to rest and, and had tried to uh, please God and find uh, pleasure with him and others through more moral effort. And it was wearing them out. They were angry. They were anxious. They scurried from this moral deed to that moral deed. They tried to keep the Sabbath in order to be pleasing to God and others. They rejected Jesus and therefore elevated Sabbath. We, on the other hand, in our rejection of Jesus and the, the soul rest he gives, we have eliminated Sabbath. We've not found in him the rest that he offers and, and handed to him the control of our lives in a way that we can say, I can rest and stop. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of live out Matthew 11, verses 28 to 29, the soul rest that Jesus gives in our schedules. You know, Jesus says, hey, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I, Jesus, will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I want to take that rest he gives us, uh, that we can hand the, the control of our life to our Savior, our King, that we can find in him the, the longings of our heart and our minds and our life, that we can be satisfied. I want to take that, that soul rest and knit it into our schedules in a way that it will help us grow in our savoring, our enjoyment, our rest in Christ. And it will also just uh, pay huge dividends in the way we enjoy life, living for Jesus according to the rhythms he has scheduled for us. So let's get into it. Uh, in a sense, I want to convince you to keep a Sabbath this morning. And so uh, when I say that, uh, keep a Sabbath, keep, uh, keep a one full day in seven of stopping, resting, not working. <laughs> when I say that, the, the first thing that probably comes to your mind is, Matt, are you sure that's commanded in the scriptures? Do I have to do that? So that's what we'll look at first. And then, oh man, if I, if I do have to do that, or if I even decide I want to do that or should do that, can I even do that in this life stage, in this moment? And we'll look at some practicals and some principles uh, uh, to get us into this rhythm. So uh, do I have to? We'll take a look at biblical theology and say, okay, do I have to? And then we'll answer, well, can I? How do I go about doing this? Um, I want to highlight a book and a work by uh, John Mark Comer. So John Mark Comer uh, has been a great guide in this the past uh, many years. I've been reading about this. And uh, he's got a great book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, another one out coming on Sabbath. And, and then he's got this podcast and a bunch of tools online called uh, Practicing the Way, super helpful stuff. Uh, we've, refer we've referenced this uh, on the web page in our resources uh, a lot of the content uh, uh, from this sermon comes from his work. Uh, he has basically regurgitated Dallas Willard uh, and John Ortberg and some others and kind of brought them into a modern-day language for us uh, that is a super helpful thing. So uh, you can find his stuff through our resource page or just by searching John Mark Comer online. This is a great book. I would recommend it. All right, do I have to keep the Sabbath? Is it commanded? First, biblical theology. And then can I, even if I wanted to, what would that look like in my life today? I think you'll want to take notes on this. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground, and, and I think you'll be challenged in a way that, man, my prayer is that you would come to the end of this and say, man, I want to do this, and then figure it out in a way that would bring such life, such life and joy and peace and rest and all that kind of, that's what I've been longing for. <laughs> into your life. All right. Do I have to keep it uh, the biblical theology of the Sabbath, which just means we're going to bounce through some main passages in the scriptures that talk about Sabbath. Uh, we'll move uh, fairly quickly, but with a slow, restful pace through these passages. There's so much more to say about each of them, but let's touch down on each one. Uh, Genesis chapter 2. Verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. 
So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Uh, do you feel the cadence of this on this seventh day? Uh, all the work that he had done, God rested. God stopped. On the seventh day, he stopped. He rested from all the work that he had done. God rested. God stopped. God the creator, God the almighty stops and rests. But I have six kids and they don't stop. They're running around. How am I going to God stop? How am I going to rest when they're running? God stop. But I am working on my PhD. I've got all these classes, these professors. How am I God stopped? God stopped. God rested. But I have a boss and a job that doesn't let me stop. God stopped. It's in the very image of who our God is to stop and to rest. And we as image bearers and we as his creatures whom he created can stop and trust our God to hold his world together, to hold our lives together when we stop. We can trust him. We can trust our God, the Almighty, to move forward His purposes, His plans in our life for His good, pleasing will. It's who He is. He stops and tells us, therefore, and mirrors for us to stop. It's also in the rhythms, then, of creation, right? And if we go across the grain of creation, we will get splinters. A quote from Comer's book. He says about this day, he blesses it, he makes it holy, he rested on it. Uh, God blesses the animals in creation, God blesses humanity in creation, then God blesses the Sabbath in creation. Three specific, special things he blesses in creation. He says make it holy. The word holy simply means to set it apart as different or other than the rest of the days. There was a cadence to that seventh day of God's resting, stepping back, stopping. But what's really interesting is this seventh day really breaks the cadence of all the other days. It's, it's totally different. It's holy. It's other. And on all the other days, uh, God says, and then it's so, and then he stops and he, he looks at it and enjoys it. And in this, he, he, he breaks it. God, God rests. He steps back. It's a different cadence than the other six days. It's holy, it's blessed, it's other. You get the sense that God is looking back at his creation here, which he has called very good on the sixth day. Now, almost like you or I, you know, uh, one of my favorite things I, I would love to do it on Sabbath is to mow the yard. It's just mow that yard. It gives me about an hour and a half away from the kids. <laughs> with some good music on or a sermon. And I'm mowing, and then after I mow that yard on a super hot day, very unlike today, I sit back and crack open a Miller Lite or a Corona, and I sit back and I, ah, it looks good. I enjoy it. It's almost as though God right here is doing kind of a cosmic Simon Says. 
You know how Simon Says work. It's, uh, it says, uh, Simon Says stand up, and everyone stands up, right? Uh, Simon Says sit down, everyone sits down. It's as, as though God is saying here, I am showing you a way into the, the treasure of treasuring him whom we can trust, treasuring him who satisfies, treasuring him who gives us rest, gives us satisfaction. As he says, follow me in this. Enjoy with me into this treasuring of him fully, trusting him completely, resting, even taking a full day off to do so, inclining ourselves to our God whom we can trust, inclining ourselves to our God whom we can treasure, who satisfies. God himself rests on the seventh day, and God knits this into the creation rhythms of his creation we ourselves are his creation we have limits we need to rest he knows that he models it for us now let's look at uh, the first kind of major uh, time the sabbath comes up in command this is exodus chapter 20 in exodus chapter 20 uh, god's people are, have I've been rescued out of slavery, and God is giving his moral command, his Ten Commandments, and, and just uh, gloss the first couple with me and then get to the fourth commandment, Sabbath, uh, Exodus chapter 20. God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Man, let's keep that, right? Uh, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, right? Don't uh, practice idolatry. Man, let's, let's keep that. Uh, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Let's keep that. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is in your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Uh, the first thing we notice is if you were to kind of uh, string out all the Ten Commandments, uh, this commandment, the fourth commandment, is, is 35% of all the words spoken in the Ten Commandments. It's a, it's a huge amount. It's like, do not murder, right? It's like, boom, all right? <laughs> uh, then the Sabbath, he's like, I'm going to talk about this. It's so important. I mean, it's massive. It's 35% of the whole list. You know, he says, in six days you shall labor. Now, let me stop for a second. That's a different sermon, <laughs> Uh, for some of us, we need that sermon. You're being lazy. You're being slothful with your whole week. My guess is that's not most of us here in this room. That's not the rhythms of D.C. That's not the, the way we work here. Most of us are overworking rather than underworking. Labor and do our work in six days, but then the, Sabbath, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. So, so God says, first, remember this because it's so easy to forget. It is so easy to forget that I'm not in control, that I'm not God, that I'm not the one who has to keep this and that in order and hold it tightly, and I've got to make sure my work goes the way it ought to go, my kids go the way that I ought to go, my health goes the way it ought to go. I've got to, oh, 
build it and keep doing it more and more, even if it takes more than 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I've got to hold it. I'm God. If I don't, who's going to? Can you sense the anxiety, the anger in that mindset? Remember, you're not God. Remember the Sabbath. Remember where you find your satisfaction. It's not through getting this or that by working for it. Or achieving this or that. If I could only get to this level, if I could only attain that, if I had enough money to purchase this car, if I had that job, I'd be validated. If I just had that, I'd be satisfied. I've got to work more. I've got to work harder to get it. Remember, our God is our satisfaction. He's our purpose. He's our peace. He's our security. He's our Sabbath. So we stop. That's one way to translate Sabbath. Stop. Cease. Shabbat. Or it's delight, right? To enjoy. Right? Knit into the Word itself. Keep this seventh day a Sabbath to the Lord. It's not a day off. It's not a vacation. It's not the weekend. It's a Sabbath, a stopping to the Lord. It's a reorienting of our lives in this day of rest, this day of stopping to Him, to worship Him, to enjoy Him, to be satisfied by Him and what He's given, to say, oh God, I will enjoy what you've given here on earth. You are my God. I love you. I'm satisfied by you. And you have given so generously and graciously in my life. I'm satisfied and enjoy it. It's a worship moment, a worship day. Do not... Work is the command. On it you shall not do any work. And then he kind of captures the whole family in this, like as best as possible to have the whole family not working. It's a declaration that you are my God. It's a declaration that you are my delight. I can stop. We got a lot of snow this week. I love the snow. <laughs> I mean, I pray for my, I pray for snow. <laughs> I love snow. My kids love snow. They've got these weird different ways to make it snow. I mean, like a fork in a toilet or something and like backward PJs or something, I don't know. But here's what happened on Tuesday. The snow came. It was a decent amount of snow Tuesday morning. Here was my first thought. No, 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 not today. I got a lot to do. A lot is going on at church. A lot is going on in my own life. I've got a lot to do. And so I'm thinking, hey, how can I reorganize this meeting or that meeting and keep things moving forward, at least in my own personal schedule at work? Like, uh, you know, they can take a day off, but I can. I got a lot to do. And it, the snow keeps coming down. And then uh, Courtney says, hey, uh, it looks like I do have to go into the, she's saying this, I have to, that she has to go into the hospital to be with her dad. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Don't you know, I got a lot to do. You can't, so she's like, I'm going to the hospital to be with my dad. I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 you ought to do that. And then that means the kids will be at home and it's snowing, so everyone's here. And then finally, I just throw up the white flag, right? (laughs) Throw up the white flag of surrender. 
Like, all right, fine. Like, you, you, you would think that uh, uh, the Lord could get through to a thick skull uh, like mine. But uh, I'm like, fine, finally. It's like, okay, throw it up. I surrender. I will not go into work today. I will not work. We'll actually just go sledding, have some fun. And it was awesome. End of day, when I surrendered, when I stopped, when I delighted, when I enjoyed what he commands even one out of seven days a week. His rationale is simple. He says in verse 11, in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth. Look, he holds it. He created it all. And even he rested on that seventh day. It's knit into the creation rhythms, remember? And he blessed the Sabbath day. He made it holy. It's a gift to us, a blessing for us. The rationale is it's knit into creation here in Exodus. And there's one other kind of major commandment place where the Sabbath is talked about. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 15. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 15, the setting is different. This is about 40 years later. Uh, uh, the Israelites, uh, after that uh, chapter we just read in Exodus chapter 20, uh, they've wandered in the wilderness and the desert, and one whole generation has died away. Uh, so in one sense, uh, this, this new generation of kids has grown up and they don't know all the commandments of the Lord. They're about to head into the promised land. And Moses now repeats Deuteronomy, second law, Deuteronomos, uh, uh, is going to uh, repeat these laws for the people before they go into the promised land. There's only kind of two differences in it. Uh, the first is the first word in uh, chapter 5, verse 12, observe the Sabbath day. It's not uh, remember. Now he's saying, hey, hey, look, yeah, certainly remember it, but keep it, practice it, like do the Sabbath day. And then his rationale is very different in verse 15. Remember the rationale in uh, Exodus chapter 20 was it's, this is knit in the creation rhythms. Here in verse 15, the rationale to keep the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments is you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Uh, it used to be you had no choice. You were a slave in Egypt. You had no choice. You had to keep working. You had a master who said, keep working. You had no choice. But you are free. God has rescued you. You no longer have to be a slave to the systems of this world. And also, you don't have to be a part of the work of enslaving others by your insatiable need to get more. So don't keep working to get more. Know that you're free. You found what you need in Christ. Know that you're free. He is your God who you can trust as you step back. Know that you are free. The rationale is different. Uh, it's not a work more to get more, live on the hamster wheel of the slavery systems of our world. Uh, the system of Babel, right? Which uh, In Babel, that's, let's build up this tower so we can make our uh, uh, self-provision. We can become great for ourselves and, and for self-promotion and proclamation. We can be great in ourselves. I got to keep working so I can keep getting and I can keep elevating. You're free from that system. But expect resistance if you are going to live according to the Sabbath of God. Expect resistance, first from your own heart and mind. No way can I stop working. I got too much to do. Expect resistance. Man, put up that white flag of surrender first in your own heart and mind. 
Expect resistance in your family. Hey, let's figure this out. Let's figure out how to stop together. What? Stop in our family? No way. We got too much going on every week. No way can we stop. Expect resistance from your world. Boss, I won't be returning that email today. What? Can you imagine? Because here particularly, in the shrine of doing, right, where our idolatry is doing more, working harder, getting ahead, this is a very resistance way to live. All right, let me bring these uh, commands and these ideas together with the question of, do I have to keep the Sabbath? Do I have to keep the Sabbath? Now, I'm going to answer yes. We have to keep the Sabbath. I want to go through uh, these scriptures and some here. Uh, first, it is knit into the creation order and God himself stops and rests. It's knit into creation. It's almost like asking do I have to obey gravity? Yes. Unless you're on the moon, we live here, and you have to obey. You have to live within the rhythms of creation in gravity. God himself modeled Sabbath in creation, and we as his image bearers, therefore, model Sabbath as we bear his image and trust him. Also, it is practiced prior to the commandments found in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. In Exodus chapter 16, here's what we see. Uh, the people are wandering in the wilderness, and God is providing manna in Exodus chapter 16. And what they're doing, God commands them to gather a day's worth of food, and so they're gathering a day's worth of food, and sometimes they're gathering too much, and that goes moldy. God is like, hey, trust me for today. Just gather a day's worth. Uh, but then he says something very uh, special. He says, as you're heading into the uh, seventh day, gather two times as much on the sixth day so that on the seventh day you don't have to gather any food. In a sense, keep that practice of the Sabbath uh, built into creation, modeled by God himself, that on that seventh day you don't have to work. It's later, a few chapters later and probably a few years later, that God gives the command in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, second, why do I think we ought to keep the Sabbath? Uh, it's in the moral law. It's in the Ten Commandments. Uh, we don't look at, oh, you shall not commit idolatry or have no other gods before me or do not murder. Uh, we don't look at those and say, nah, those are, those are Old Testament things. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it shows the character, the holiness of our God and how to live out a life of flourishing as we serve him in the Ten Commandments. Uh, this is not, uh, I think it, it hurts us sometimes when we say, uh, this is like fasting or this or that, where it's a discipline of meditation uh, that I can put into my lives. Uh, no, it's actually in that list of commands that God gives in the moral law, the Ten Commandments. All through the Old Testament, when God's people are breaking the Sabbath, he's saying, you're profaning the Sabbath, and he brings condemnation on them and discipline on them. Now, it's really interesting in the New Testament, uh, all the Ten Commandments are repeated, and I would argue that uh, Jesus, uh, uh, he himself in the New Testament both repeats, interprets, and he keeps and practices the Sabbath himself. Uh, so first he repeats this command. Uh, he says uh, that, that Sabbath was made for man and not man for Sabbath, all through Luke chapter 6. Uh, Matthew chapter 11 and 12, and in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is going to talk about the Sabbath. And he says, look, Sabbath is a good thing. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
And then he's going to interpret, what's this look like, right? He's going to say, hey, mercy and compassion, hey, green light on the Sabbath, go for it. It's good to love others on the Sabbath and, and bring salvation and care to others. Actually, a lot of his healing is done on the Sabbath. I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, he himself keeps and practices the Sabbath perfectly. It's really interesting. Uh, in Luke chapter 6, what we looked at last week, uh, he's healing someone. He's, he's doing this work of compassion, which he'll say is, is good and right on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees, who, who, who have added all these extra rules and all these extra laws to the Sabbath, they come and they're like, what are you doing? You can't heal on the Sabbath. They get so mad about him for breaking Sabbath. He says, actually, I'm not breaking Sabbath. He says, it's fine uh, to feed yourself on the Sabbath. And he gives an example of David from the Old Testament. It's fine to heal on the Sabbath. Can you imagine if Jesus was actually breaking Sabbath? How many times we would see uh, all through the Gospels if he's just like, man, let's get to work on the Sabbath, guys, and they just start working and tilling the fields. And instead, actually, we see in Jesus' life in Luke chapter 4 and other places, he goes to the synagogue, he worships on the Sabbath. He walks. You can get the pace of Jesus' life as an unhurried one, particularly on the Sabbath. Uh, it is uh, just inarguable, uh, we would see so many moments of just a, a huge push against Jesus if he were not keeping the Sabbath. Imagine if he didn't. Now, but here's what I want to say in this is, I think we have to keep the Sabbath, and I'm going to talk about how we might keep it in different ways to here in a second, but, but what I want to say is, don't you want to do this? <laughs> don't we want to do uh, who, who in here is saying, I don't want to rest? I don't want time where I could sit back and just enjoy and trust God to hold my life and hold his world together and delight in him and delight in all of his gifts. Who in here is saying that? I don't want to do this. Most of us say, man, I really want to, I really, I want to keep the Sabbath like the Lord has commanded in his moral commands, the way it's knit into creation where I would flourish in it, and how Jesus himself keeps it and interprets it in a way that would be life-giving. All the while finding in Christ our true Sabbath rest as he is. Man, I want to. It's like, it's like God is commanding a snow day. Like you get 52 snow days a year. Go enjoy it. It's permission to stop and enjoy and refresh in him who is in control, who we can trust, and who is our satisfaction. Now, what I would say in the command is it is very broad. It's very broad. Do not work and set it aside to the Lord. Uh, don't work, and it is holy to him. It is very not legalistic. It's not guilt-driven. This isn't an opportunity for us to say, I figured out the Sabbath, and you must keep it the way I am keeping it. Otherwise, you are breaking it. Uh, this is not a moment for pride of, oh, court called me out on this one this past week a couple times. I'm like, I'm going to keep the Sabbath. She's like, oh, how holy are you, Pharisee? And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> 
It's not a moment for legalism, right? The command itself is broad of do not work and live it and enjoy it to the Lord, one in seven. It's not legalistic, but it's also not optional. Our God has given it to us for our pleasure and for his glory that we might find our trust and our rest and our satisfaction in him. So how to... And this is where we'll close, and we're going to uh, spend some more time next week uh, and working this out. Okay, what would this look like that we could bring this rest and this joy and this stopping and this trusting into our lives? So uh, how to, uh, the first uh, part of how to is, um, it's just that major barrier. That first major barrier when we're saying, okay, I, I want to do this. Uh, how will I do this? Uh, the first major barrier is simply this. Decide to do it. Decide to do it. Decide to keep the Sabbath. Decide to say, God rested. And there's always a reason or a season that I'm in that would say, man, I can't do it right now. But first just say, decide to it. Hey, right now, I'm going to give it my best shot. There's always more to do. You'll always have a reason not to do this. As a student, you'll be saying, man, I'm working so hard right now. How can I do this? As you're going for your PhD later, you say, man, I'm working so hard. As you don't have kids and you're cranking it at your job, you're thinking, man, I'm just crushing it here. Then you've got kids. You say, I can't do it now. Then you get older. Well, I got all this travel. I got all this to do. I, I, although when I'm older, I'm thinking, man, that's going to be an awesome time to Sabbath. It's going to look different in every season. But first, decide to. Decide you will stop. And by the way, you will stop. You will stop. It'll either be out of discipline when the Lord brings stopping, hitting the wall, crashing and burning in your life, or in delight of choosing and saying, oh, Lord, I want to do this before it's too late. And by the way, you can't mess it up. Look, try it. Go after it in faith. Come to a good father who has uh, created this for us and commanded it to us and say, I want to go after this with you, father, in faith, following a way of not working and seeking my life and delight and satisfaction in you, one in seven. All right, here's some principles as we get after this. So for the can I, how would I do this? The first is declare it Sabbath. It's not the weekend. It's not a day off. It's not vacation. Uh, it's not a time to just be slothful. It's not time to binge Netflix, right? No one's coming out of uh, 20 hours of Netflix saying, I had a friend in college who was like, I'm going to stay on my couch for 24 hours. And he watched TV for 20, and he had people bring him a gallon of milk. That was disgusting. He didn't end that time of his sloth binge saying, I'm so refreshed. You don't step away from binging Netflix saying, I'm so refreshed. I'm so refreshed. It's different than a day off or a weekend or this kind of just, I'm going to do what I please. It's a, it's a setting aside of work and setting aside of the Lord's delight. And so in it, uh, another principle is after we've declared it Sabbath unto the Lord, one in seven days, a full day of 24 hours, uh, it's a do not, do not work. Do not work. That's a broad definition. Uh, don't be the Pharisees and saying, oh, sp spitting in a, a harvest field is work and adding all these laws to the Mishnah. Uh, Jesus kind of slashed up the Mishnah and said, you've created this whole legalistic system. It's not leading to rest. It's actually leading to more work and anxiety and anger. Uh, but he gives this broad definition of do not work. Now, in that, uh, certainly we would say the things we are doing to earn our living and money, we say we ought not to do on the Sabbath. 
or the things that drain you as you work and do them, we ought not to do on the Sabbath. Define that in faith. What is that for you in this stage of life? What is it to not work? And then don't lay your laws on someone else, by the way. Don't lay your laws on someone else. And then do. There's a do aspect to it. A rest, a stopping, a ceasing, a delighting. Man, do things that you delight in. I love music. I try and play more music on Saturday when we stop. I love reading. I love to do more reading. I love letting the kids run around and go outside while, while I sit with a book. Enjoy, delight, and also resist. Uh, uh, don't, don't do things that kind of get you in the warp and woof of doing more, getting more, consuming more. Maybe it's uh, scrolling online to purchase uh, to keep that system of getting more going. Now, I do want to say this is gray. There's lots of gray areas in this. Some people would say, hey, you can't play, you can't take your kids to sports on a Sabbath. Here's what I'm going to say. Man, I love that moment in my life. That's like so joy-giving for me on a Sabbath. In general, I don't want my kids missing worship on a Sunday for Sabbath, but, but at the same, I, I love them playing soccer and sitting and cheering and saying, woo! Now, some parents are like, get them, get that soccer! And that's like terrible for them to do. On a day they're trying to rest and trust. Uh, me, I don't care if my kids stink. Now, thankfully, they're all amazing athletes. <laughs> Jilly yesterday shot this shot. It was ridiculous. Knocked it out in the last minute. Put him up by three. I was like, woo! I mean, that's sad. That's delight. That was so fun. If she would have missed it, same thing. Woo! Good try, delight. All right, some baby steps to get after this, and then we'll close by reminding ourselves who is our Sabbath as we take communion. Baby steps. Choose a day. Choose a day. Uh, in the Jewish tradition and in creation, knit into was Saturday, right? Uh, evening on Friday uh, into evening on Saturday. That was the Jewish day and the creation day, the seventh day of the week. Uh, so you could say, hey, look, that's a good day for me or our family to try and stop. Uh, in the early church, the resurrection changes everything. So in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, we see the normal pattern of the early church is to worship and set aside Sunday as a day of Sabbath and delight and enjoyment and eating together and, and flourishing in relationship uh, beneath and with our God. Uh, so what is that for you? Some people, uh, you know, so I work a lot on Sunday, right? So, so for us, we're trying to figure out, hey, what's that look like on Saturday for us? Have a meal. This is the next baby step. Look, make this fun. If Sabbath is, is a, a, a drag, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> if Sabbath is a drag, you're doing it wrong. Uh, we, we try and have lots of donuts on Sabbath. <laughs> we, got six, uh, we got a dozen donuts, brought them back in the snow uh, on this Sabbath. Uh, we have a big meal, and, and I, I like, look, I like a candle. So we, like a, we light a candle. This is also in Jewish practice. Uh, where, and you know, we, we welcome the Sabbath in. We don't call it the, uh, the weekend. And, and we do a lot of the same things we were doing on a normal weekend, right? But we, we light a candle. We say, hey, Lord, we welcome the Sabbath. We want to rest. We want to incline our minds and our hearts to you today. Uh, we, we, we're trying to do that on a Friday night. Now, guess what? We already missed a Friday night. We're two weeks in. <laughs> So we did it on Saturday night. Well, this isn't a legalistic thing, right? Uh, so we had that big fun meal, and, uh, and, and we've decided, hey, uh, we're either going to do some sort of crock pot thing, so uh, Courtney or me is not cooking, or we're going to purchase something out, and we're going to eat on paper plates. It's going to be fun. Uh, so we bought Chinese foods, way too expensive for our family. <laughs> 
But we splurged, right? Well, I got a Sabbath, and I kept saying that, and the kids were like, stop calling it Sabbath, Dad. I'm like, it's Sabbath. This is so fun, right? Uh, so we wrote up a, a list of things. What are some things we do and don't want to do on Sabbath? This is, this is what I'd say next is a baby sips. Pick, pick a few. Pick a few don'ts and do-dos on a Sabbath. All right. There's more to be said. I don't want to say it all today. I've already talked too long. Here's what I want to say as we close. Maybe you're looking at your life and you're saying, oh, man, dang it. I'm not resting at all. I just keep working. I feel guilty even thinking about Sabbath. Or maybe you're saying, I'm crushing this. I'm so holy and righteous. I'm so good. (laughs) I want to remind you this morning, who is our Sabbath rest? This is not a legalistic thing, not more rules to keep, to stack up on this or that and create our own new law. This is knit into God's creation, stated in his commands, practiced by his son, that we might be reminded, inclined to the reality that we are sons and daughters of the living God by grace, that we have a savior or king who we can trust. That we have a savior, a treasure who satisfies. Let's be reminded of who we are as sons and daughters when we take and eat. The reminder of who our savior is, who our king is, who our treasure is, who our Sabbath is. Jesus Christ himself. Come and talk to him about your soul. Come and talk to him about your schedule right now as you rest in him. And if you're not in Christ, man, don't take this meal of rest, but, but instead turn to Christ this morning. Talk to him. Receive the grace, the rest, the life he gives in his life, his death, and resurrection. Let's take and eat together. Mm-hmm.